Chapter Eleven of Episode the Second of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Second, Among the Turks. Chapter Eleven, Sidi Tartri Ben Tartri. Should you ever drop into the coffee-houses of the Algerian upper town after dark, even at this day, you would still hear the natives chatting among themselves, with many a wink and slight laugh, of one Sidi Tartri Ben Tartri, a rich and good-humoured European who dwelt a few years back in that neighbourhood, with a buxom witch of local origin named Baya. This Sidi Tartri, who has left such a merry memory around the Kasbah, is none other than our Tartarin, as will be guessed. How could you expect things otherwise? In the lives of heroes, of saints too, it happens the same way. There are moments of blindness, perturbation, and weakness. The illustrious Tarasconian was no more exempt from this than another, and that is the reason during two months that, oblivious of fame and lions, he revelled in oriental amorousness, and dozed like Hannibal at Capua in the delights of Algiers the White. The good fellow took a pretty little house in the native style in the heart of the Arab town, with inner courtyard, banana trees, cool verandas, and fountains. He dwelt, afar from noise, in company with the Moorish charmer, a thorough woman to the manner born, who pulled at her hubble-bubble all day when she was not eating. Stretched out on a divan in front of him, Bayer would drone him monotonous tunes with a guitar in her fist, or else, to distract her lord and master, favour him with the bee-dance, holding a hand-glass up in which she reflected her white teeth and the faces she made. As the Esmeralda did not know a word of French, and Tartarin none in Arabic, the conversation died away sometimes and the Tarasconian had plenty of leisure to do penance for the gush of language of which he had been guilty in the shop of Bezuquet the chemist, or that of Costecalde the gunmaker. But this penance was not devoid of charm, for he felt a kind of enjoyable sullenness in dawdling away the whole day without speaking, and in listening to the gurgling of the hookah, the strumming of the guitar, and the faint splashing of the fountain on the mosaic pavement of the yard. The pipe, the bath, and caresses filled his entire life. They seldom went out of doors. Sometimes with his lady-love upon a pillion, Sidi Tartri would ride upon a sturdy mule to eat pomegranates in a little garden he had purchased in the suburbs. But never without exception did he go down into the European quarter. This kind of Algiers appeared to him as ugly and unbearable as a barracks at home with its zouaves in revelry, its music-halls crammed with officers, and its everlasting clank of metal sabre-sheaths under the arcades. The sum total is that our Tarasconian was very happy. Sancho Tartarin, particularly, being very sweet upon Turkish pastry, declared that one could not be more satisfied than by this new existence. Quixote Tartarin had some twinges at whiles, while thinking of Tarascon and the promises of lion-skins, but this remorse did not last, and to drive away such dampening ideas there sufficed one glance from Bayer, 
or a spoonful of those diabolical, dizzying and odoriferous sweetmeats, like Circe's brews. In the evening Gregory came to discourse a little about a free black mountain. Of indefatigable obligingness this amiable nobleman filled the functions of an interpreter in the household, or those of a steward at a pinch, and all for nothing but the sheer pleasure of it. Apart from him, Tartarin receives none but Turks. All those fierce-headed pirates who had given him such frights from the backs of their black stalls turned out, when once he made their acquaintance, to be good, inoffensive tradesmen, embroiderers, dealers in spice, pipe-mouthpiece-turners, well-bred fellows, humble, clever, close, and first-class hands at homely card-games. Four or five times a week these gentry would come and spend the evening at Sidi Tartri's, winning his small change, eating his cakes and dainties, and delicately retiring on the stroke of ten with thanks to the prophet. Left alone, Sidi Tartri and his faithful spouse by the broomstick wedding would finish the evening on their terrace, a broad white roof which overlooked the city. All around them a thousand of other such white flats, placid beneath the moonshine, were descending like steps to the sea. The breeze carried up tinkling of guitars. Suddenly, like a shower of firework stars, a full clear melody would be softly sprinkled out from the sky, and on the minaret of the neighbouring mosque a handsome wezin would appear, his blanched form outlined on the deep blue of the night, as he chanted the glory of Allah with a marvellous voice which filled the horizon. Thereupon Baya would let go her guitar, and with her large eyes turned towards the crier, seem to imbibe the prayer deliciously. As long as the chant endured, she would remain thrilled there in ecstasy, like an oriental saint. The deeply impressed Tartarin would watch her pray, and conclude that it must be a splendid and powerful creed that could cause such frenzies of faith. Tarascon, veil thy face! Here is a son of thine on the point of becoming a renegade. End of chapter 11 of episode 2nd